opportunity to preach your word, and I pray God as Lauren and I talk about what it means to be a man and a woman after God's own heart, that you would touch every heart in this place, and that you would soften our hearts, and God draw us to a place that we are so surrendered that you are working through us in a powerful way. Um, and everybody say amen. So what we're going to talk about today, and I'm just going to run through my notes. I'm not going to get into a huge preach mode because I believe the Holy Spirit can touch your heart and give you what you need by the Spirit. Um, I was reading. I, first of all, I love to read about David. He's my favorite patriarch in the Bible. He's my favorite because the thing I love about him so much is you know a lot about him because he's genuine. He's not a hider. He's not a, um, I live one way on Sunday and I live another way during the week. I mean, you kind of see it all with him. You see his devotion to God and he writes so much about his struggles. So I can identify with his personality. I want to read some scriptures of kind of how he fell into place and how God began to uh, pull on him and select him. Uh, the history is that Saul was the first king in Israel, okay? He was the very first king in Israel. And, and Israel began to cry out for a king. We want a king like all the other nations. Now, that, up until that point, they had been uh, a theocracy or they were, they were led by the priesthood. Okay, but they wanted to be like everyone else. That's where you always get in trouble is when you decide you want to be like everyone else. Okay, because we are called to be different. But God answered their prayer and he gave them a man by the name of Saul. And when Saul started, he was an humble man, but he didn't stay humble. He was a, started as an obedient man, but didn't stay obedient. And it is pretty easy to detect that Saul knew God but didn't, he knew of God. He knew of the acts of God, but he didn't have a personal relationship with Jehovah God because he began to do things his own way. He began to disobey God. And as, as he began to disobey God, Samuel came and brought him a word. And it wasn't a good word. Back then, when the, when the prophet showed up at your house or your town, you would begin to wake and quake because you knew there were some things getting ready to, in Texas vernacular, hit the fan. 1 Samuel 13 and 14. But now your kingdom must end, for the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. I want you to write down, he sought out a man after his own heart. He sought out a woman after his own heart. Those are really, that's a really important sentence. The Lord has already appointed him to be the leader of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. That's a huge indictment. He's saying, dude, your reign is over. The anointing's done. The anointing is lifted from your life. You have disobeyed God. You have dishonored the responsibility. You have dishonored the blessing that I've given you. You have dishonored my name. You have done it your way. And I don't need a king or a priest or anybody that's not willing to follow me. 1 Samuel 16. And I want to read about when Samuel comes to anoint David. 
Now, God gives the word to Samuel. He delivers it to Saul. But evidently, Samuel spent some months and days grieving over the fact that God's hand had lifted off of Saul. So we start in 16. We start in uh, 1 Samuel 16. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Saying, quit looking at the past. It's done, buddy. Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. If Saul hears that I'm going to anoint another man to be the king, he's going to kill me. Because even though I gave him the word, he's still right now in authority, and he has the power to kill me. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled. You know, we have a prophetic voice and people line up here like you're handing out Hershey's bars and candy. Back then, if the prophet showed up, everybody's pooing in their pants. The elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, do you come in peace? Samuel replied, yes, in peace. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliah and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed that stands right here before you, Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't consider his appearance or his height. I know he might be tall, dark, and handsome, but you need to let me show you. It's a heart condition I'm looking for. I'm looking for a man after my own heart. I'm looking for a woman after my own heart. For I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called uh, Abinadab, sounds like a, something weird. Okay, Abinadab, Abinadab. And, he, and had him pass in front of Samuel. She's going to laugh at me all day. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Keep going, buddy. Jesse then had Shuma or Shama pass by. But Samuel said, no, this is not the chosen one either. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. Okay, now let me just say this. Side note. If the prophet calls me and says, get all your kids in one room, I have anointed one to lead the nation for the greatest revival. I am getting every one of my kids there. I'm probably bringing the dog and the cat and the gerbil too. Nobody's getting left out. To me, it is unbelievable that he brought seven of his sons but left one that didn't, he didn't bring to the table. Take note of that. There's something going on in this family. 
He left that boy and did not bring his baby boy to the table when Samuel said, bring your sons. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? Because ain't none of these the one. And God said, in your house, there's a king. There is still the youngest. Jesse answered, he is tending to the sheep. I want you to write, tending to the sheep. Men and women, after God's own heart, are doing something to bless God's kingdom. They're not sitting waiting for a microphone and a stage and complaining to somebody, give me, let me preach on Sunday. If you come up and ask me to preach, you will never preach. I'm not playing. If you ask me to preach on this stage, you will never preach. Let me see you preaching in the neighborhood. Let me see you teaching in Sunday school. Let me see you with a C group and a home group. Let me see you on Wednesday night teaching the ladies or the men. Let me see you uh, mentoring somebody at Starbucks. Let me see you so hungry with the Word of God in your heart that you're finding a place to teach and preach because God has called you and you're not looking for a stage. You're looking to build the kingdom. I never asked my pastor to preach. Not one time in my whole life. I taught Bible studies. I taught Sunday school. I ran bus routes. I did everything that the doors were wide open. Every time I ever stepped on a platform, I was invited. If you've got to call a God on your life to preach, God will open a door for you. But until he opens the door, keep wiping the sheep's honeys. And the baby's honeys and the kids' honeys and everybody else that God's called. Find a place to serve God and allow God to form your character and get you ready to preach. This child's never asked me to preach. If she had, I would not let her. And she's my kid. So if you're called to the five-fold ministry, you find something to do. David was busy. Notice he was busy. That one was for free. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down till he arrives. He sent for him and had brought, okay, uh, so he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him for this is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. Samuel then went to Ramah. So we, we see uh, right here that bottom line is he started as the underdog. He didn't get voted the most likely to succeed. His daddy didn't even bring him to the table when the prophet said that one of your sons is a king. His daddy, for whatever reason, did not bring him to the table. That confounds me and it bothers me deeply.
When your daddy don't believe in you, you're really in trouble. But here's the thing that you must notice. David must have shown attributes of responsibility. He must have shown leadership responsibilities because his daddy gave him the assignment to oversee the family's finances. Your herds and your cattle was your way of making money. He didn't send all the other boys. He had the youngest boy out there tending the herd, protecting the sheep, and overseeing. So even as a, at a young age, this boy showed signs of leadership and responsibility, and his hands found something to do in the kingdom. He was a protector of the family's investments. We know David was a passionate worshiper. It was the pursuit of his life because even when God spoke to Saul, David was a teenager. He was a boy when God spoke to Saul. And he said, I found a man and he's after my own heart. So this tells me that David had a powerful relationship with Jehovah God even as a teenager. Much of the Psalms were written by this man. He was not only a warrior, he was a prolific writer and musician. He had incredible keen sensibilities for aesthetics. You would see later on that God would give him intricate detail to the temple and he wrote everything down and he collected fine gold and silver and cedar from all over the world and God used him to pull together what at some point his son would build called the temple. This wasn't your average Joe. This wasn't your average uh, girl or boy. This was a guy, a, a, a man that had incredible gifts but had surrendered all of it to God at a young age to the point that God said, I have chosen you. You have my heart. What makes God choose somebody? What makes God say, you, you have my heart, Lauren? We're going to talk about that. From early on, he surrendered his gifts to the Lord as a form of worship. Now we find Israel's in trouble. Samuel hears from God. Saul is done. And he says, go to Jesse's house, and there you'll find the next king. When Samuel came to anoint Jesse's son, Jesse didn't bring him to the table. When God appoints you and anoints you, your own biological daddy can reject you. But if God says my hand is on you, honey, ain't no devil in hell going to stop it. God is sovereign and his opinion trumps everyone else's opinion. A man and woman after God's own heart is a passionate worshiper. Write it down. A passionate worshiper. They're not just a casual worshiper. I show up on Sunday. I get my 25 minutes of worship. I pray to God that they don't keep me there too long. But they, they become a passionate worshiper. A daily worshiper. I trust you, God. I got up this morning. The first thing out of my mouth is, God, I'm glad to be alive. I worship you, Father. 
A man and woman after God's own heart is a passionate worshiper and embraces personal surrender to God's will, purpose, and plan. Passionate worshiper, personal surrender. Listen, you can be anointed to do lots of things, but you will never, ever reach your potential until you make a choice to become a passionate worshiper and surrender to God. If you're called to build a business, it'll only get so big. If you're called to build a family, you'll struggle. If, you're, if you don't make a decision to be a passionate worshiper, what does that look like? That's somebody that seeks God every day. No, there's no excuse. No, there's no excuse. If you don't pray every day, there's no excuse. Do you hear me? There's no excuse. You do what you want to do every day. You have control of 24 hours a day. You can decide if you want to sit there and watch Netflix. If you want to watch, what's that uh, uh, movie, the ever, cowboy movie everybody watches? Yellowstone. Yellowstone. Yellowstone, going to hell watching Yellowstone. <laughs> I tried to watch one of them. I like those kind of shows. But there's so many F words in it and so much profanity in it, it grieved my spirit. And I like Kevin Costner. He's cute. <laughs> you, got, you, got, you got control. You want to go to the pool. You want to go to the gym every day. You want to go uh, sit down and, and reconcile your bank account. You want to go down to dealers. And I like to go to dealers. And you want to go out and eat Mexican food. You do what you want to do 24 hours a day. And I'm telling you, if you wanted to consecrate to God a few minutes every day, you can do that. That is your choice. And if you ain't doing it, you're not going to see everything that God has for you. You will not reach your full potential outside of being a passionate worshiper. It is more than a Sunday morning experience. Hooya. I wanted to be a Green Beret, but I was a woman. My daddy said I couldn't. Embraces personal surrender, purpose. Embraces the uh, personal surrender to God's will, purpose, and plan. And it activates, let me tell you what surrender does. Write this down. It will activate your faith, and you will begin to hear God clearly. If you're not hearing God clearly, you're not surrendered. If your faith is suffering, you're not surrendered. Because as you surrender, it builds your faith, your most holy faith, and you begin to hear God clearly. Lauren, it's your turn. Don't y'all love her little teaching from the table? <laughs> she was teaching from the table. She's like, I'm not going to preach. She gets up and preaches. She can't help it. It's in her bones. Um, I'm, I'm just going to share a little bit. I'm going to try to stick to five minutes. Um, so some things that the Lord is wanting uh, a man and woman of God, some things that I wrote down is a man and woman are, of God is one of surrender, like my mom just said. One of service, serving others, and one of intimacy. And out of surrender, you learn to trust the Lord and trust the Holy Spirit. Out of serving, God builds your character, that time of serving. And out of intimacy, you're going to start to understand your identity and who you are in Christ. Amen. And so I'm just going to share a few of these scriptures. After um, David was anointed king, he went to just doing what he was doing before. 
And then whenever, um, whenever the, the Philistines were taunting and coming and, you know, everything was in trouble, um, his father says to David, he says, I want you to take this basket, this roasted grain, these 10 loaves of bread, and I want you carrying them to your brothers because your brothers are fighting. They're, they're out doing what you really want to be doing while you're serving me, tending my sheep, and, and doing what I've asked you to do. I want you to give these, kin, these 10 cuts of cheese to their captain. I want you to see how they're getting along and bring back a report of how they're doing. David's brothers were the Saul and the Israelite army at the, at, the, at the valley, and they were fighting against the Philistines. And so David left the sheep with another shepherd, so he took care of business, right? And he set out early the next morning with the gifts, and he did just as Jesse had directed him. And what I love about this is that there's a few things God tests you in whenever you're in that time of serving. And one of those things is he tests you in is your obedience. Are you doing just as the Father has directed you to do? I, when I think about the things like God's, when I think about the whole anointing of what God had told him that he was supposed to do, he was supposed to be a king. I think about the, own, the, the prophetic words and the things that were put on my life whenever I was really, really young. I, mean, I started getting prophetic words when I was super young, and I started writing down those things I was supposed to be doing, but there's things that I'm just now starting to walk out that literally were given to me 20 years ago, right? But there's things that sometimes when we don't see God opening up doors to be able to do those things that God's told us to do, a lot of times we can go back to, well, what did, what did my father tell me to do? What has he told me to do right now? One thing when I wasn't seeing... Um, fruit in my life was I wasn't honoring my husband. And it was, and and you know how I knew I wasn't doing it? I asked the Holy Spirit. I was like, Holy Spirit, what am I not doing? I'm worshiping. I'm spending time with you. I'm doing, and he's like, Lauren, you're not honoring your husband. Will you honor your husband? And it wasn't like I was like, you know, you know, ripping him to shreds or anything like that, but just simply, you know, when he's calling too much, looking at the phone, like, you're, you're annoying me. You know, in my heart, there was, oh, I have to tell you again to take out the trash. It was, there was not obedience there and honor there. And so I started acting out and doing like being more conscious and aware. Am I perfect? No. Am, am I, do I get it right all the time? No, my husband would be the first one to tell you I don't get it right all the time. But it was listening, trying and listening to what, what Jesus is directing me to do. Um, okay, so he, he goes and he arrives at the camp. And he hears the shout of this, of this giant. And, and as soon as the Israelite army sees him, they begin to run away from this giant. And they're like, have you seen the giant? He comes out to defy Israel. This king's offering a, an award to anyone who kills him. Um, he will give the man one of his daughters for a wife, and the man's entire family will be exempted from paying taxes. And so David asked the soldiers standing nearby, what's a man going to get for killing this Philistine? I want to know. I want it. He was ready. He was ready. And um, who's this pagan Philistine anyway? And who, why is he allowed to defy the armies of God? And these men gave David the same reply. They said, yes, there's a reward for killing him. But when David's oldest brother heard David talking to the men, he was angry. So there's something else that, that, that the Holy Spirit teaches us whenever we are in this place of surrender, in this place of serving. He teaches us to not get distracted by the enemy and to not fall for his lies. And so whenever, and let me just say something, when you start seeking out, 
David knew that his time was coming. Obviously, he could feel it. He had already been trained to, to fight Goliath because he had done it in private, right? And so he, had already, he knew his time was coming, but he, um, he, had to, he had to wait for that right timing. And just when he starts to seek out what's going on, because I feel something. I feel like I'm supposed to be involved here. What's going on? That's whenever the enemy comes, his brother, who knew his sin, and he said, what are you doing around here anyway? What about those sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? You're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, even though he was. He was there because his dad had sent him there, right? I know about your pride and your deceit. I know your sin. I've known you when you were a little boy. I've known you when you've obeyed your dad and when you haven't. Man. You know, sometimes when you start doing the things that God's called you to do, it's not necessarily a person. Sometimes it's just the shame and the enemy from your past telling you, oh, well, you can't sit up there and minister. I know. Gosh, that hit me like a ton of bricks. And what did David do? You know what he did? He's even, the enemy even said to him, he said, you just want the, to see the battle. You just want the glory for yourself, David. And David says, what have I done now? (laughs) That is so awesome. I love that. And I was only asking a question, he said, and then this is what he did. He walked over to some others and asked them the same thing and received the same answer. Then David's question was reported to the king Saul and the king sent for him. So what did he do? When the enemy tried to distract him with his past, with who he thought he was, he was reminded, no, that's not who I am. I'm a man of God. I'm sitting here on assignment. I know where I'm supposed to be. And I'm going to keep asking the question because I feel something in me. I'm supposed to keep going. So I'm going to ask the question, what's going on? Where am I supposed to be? And what happened was when he pushed past what the enemy was trying to do and he pushed past the distraction and he passed the test of distraction, what happened was is the king called on him. The king sent for him because he heard there's some boy down there asking, what am I supposed to do about this giant? What's going to be done about him? I love that. And so he went and met with, with Saul, and he sit, tells Saul that he's going to fight him. And this is the second thing that God wants to, um, or the third thing. It's, the first is obedience that he, that he wants to test you in. The second one is distraction, the enemy. And the third is, is teaching you to trust. Can you pass the test of trust? And so, and what you're trusting is you're trusting God's timing. So even though David knew deep down, he probably knew I'm about to, I'm about to kill this giant. I want to fight him. I want to fight him. He still had to go and talk to the king and get the king's say. And the king's okay. And so he told the king, God, and I'm just, you know, Saul was not God, but this is what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying spiritually. He's saying, you know what, God, I've, I've, you've taught me how to trust you because I've trusted you whenever I killed the bear and I killed the lion. I know that you can rescue me. I'm fully confident in you rescuing me because you've rescued me when in private. You rescued me when people didn't even know the enemy was attacking me. You rescued me, God. I beat the enemy in private, God, so I know I can beat him for you in public, God. I know no, I can't. And so what happened? Then the king said, all right, go out and do it. Go out and do it. 
But this is so beautiful, and I'm about to give it back to mom because I'm sticking to my five minutes. Um, <laughs> this is what's so beautiful, okay? So Saul says he finally consented, and he said, all right, go ahead. You're ready, and may the Lord be with you. And so Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. I don't know how to say that. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, took one step or two to see what it was like and because he, he had never worn such things. And he said, I can't go in these. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again and he picked up the five stones from a stream and put them in a shepherd's bag. Then armed with only the shepherd's staff and a sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. So what I love about this is God, when you're in that private place he te- and you're intimate with the Lord, he teaches you your true identity. He teaches you what you can fight with and what you can't. He teaches you like this is exactly who you are so you can't be like anybody else. You know, I love my mom more than anything. She is is a hero to me. But if I tried to walk in her anointing, I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I, I would be terrified to step up here if I thought that I had to compete with her. Terrified. But what gives me the ability to say, okay, when mom says, Are you, can you preach? And I say, yeah. What gives me that ability is I've been intimate enough with my father to know, God, you've given me this and you've given me this. And so I'm going to bring this. I'm not going to try to put on and take everything that she has, but I'm just going to bring exactly what you've given me to teach me how to fight the enemy. And that's what I'm going to use. Amen. So what happens is, was when we're intimate with Jesus, we don't get distracted. We learn how to trust. We know our identity. And when you know your identity as a man and woman of God, when you know your identity as a man and woman of God, this is what happens. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him. I love it. When you know who you are and you know what God has given you and the enemy comes like, you know, it was probably a time when he saw that lion coming towards him that he was afraid. And he might not have ran the first time towards the lion, but he saw how God rescued him from the lion. And he saw how God rescued him from the bear. So when he saw the giant, there was nothing in him that was afraid because he knew that God was on the inside of him and that he was going to rescue him. So what did he do? Intimacy with the father gives you the courage and the ability and the strength to run to meet your enemy face to face and say, I know you say that you're going to kill me, but you ain't going to kill me, boy. Not only am I going to kill you with what the things God's given me, but I'm going to use the very thing that you've meant to destroy me, your own sword to cut off your head. Amen. Woo! I just want to say, and I'm still in my chair. (laughs) That's all I've got to say about that. (laughs) Shuck that corn, girl. Shuck that corn. Amen. Amen. Wow. So good, Lauren. So good, Jesus. I love it. So David positioned himself by the obeying the Holy Ghost 
to kill the enemy. Everyone in that army was shaking in their boots. The men that should have stood up and said, I'll fight the enemy, were all shaking in their boots. The king was hiding back, and a little boy shows up, and he tries to hand him his identity. Love it. But he's smart enough to understand that I can't do it out of anything other than what God's given me. God doesn't want you to do it like anybody else think how he's designed you to do it. But here's the things that are common with everyone that is a man or woman after God's own heart. Obedience, surrender, worship. Because you'll never find out who you are without obedience, surrender, and worship. Now we find from that point on, David becomes a hero. Now you have to understand prior to doing this, he, he got anointed. He went back to tending his dad's sheep. And Saul is tormented. The Spirit of God is lifted off Saul. And he's tormented. And he has times where he's under great torment. And one of the people tending to him says, if, if we can just find an anointed musician, if we can just find someone that can tap into the Holy Ghost and that can worship around him, we can get our, our king that's now in authority. Now God has left him, but he's still carrying the throne. He's still got the scepter. We can, we can start relieving him. So that you know who they found? They found that shepherd boy. He said, I, I know one of Jesse's sons. Isn't that, isn't that a coincidence? I know one of Jesse's sons that has a real anointing for worship. See, before God ever took him to be a warrior, he wanted him to be a worshiper. Because you can never kill the enemy in God's kingdom unless you're an intimate worshiper. And so Saul began to have him come and he would play for Saul and the evil spirit would leave. And so that's all the king really knew that boy about. It's just someone that could help him with the demons that were tormenting him. And then now... This little same guy standing before him ready to go kill the enemy. And we know that after it happened, he became famous. And he started being a warrior. And then all of a sudden, Saul is jealous. All of a sudden, Saul is jealous. Saul doesn't want him around. Saul hears. By that time, it's gotten around that, hey, he was anointed by Samuel to be the next king. Saul sets it in his heart to kill him. And I call these the running years. These are the years that he faced rejection and betrayal. And anybody that's going to be a, a man or a woman after God's own heart, you're going to suffer some rejection and betrayal. And how you handle it will position you to step into what God's called you to do or will cause you to be deselected with bitterness. Now, I want you to know this. This is a two-part series, and me and Pastor Bob are going to finish this up in about two weeks. But here's what I want you to understand. During the running years, before the between time, everybody write, uh, everybody write down the tween time. From the time he got anointed, from the time he killed Goliath, until the time he became king, he ran from somebody that should have mentored him. The two most important men in his life, 
his daddy and King Saul rejected him. And it drove him into worship. And God gave him Jonathan. He loved him like his own soul. And God gave him 400 mighty men. And in those running years, while he, think about this, he's defeating the enemies of Israel and running from his own king because his own king has a mark on his head. So while he's running and being betrayed and being rejected, he is still building the kingdom of God. He's still building men around him. Some of the greatest leaders were the men that walked with him. And so many times we say, when I get here, I'll, I'll do, I'll serve God better. When I make this much money, I'll give more money. When I, when I have more time, I'll come up and serve at the church. Or when I have more time, I'll witness to people every week. But right now, I'm doing this. See, that's not how a man after God's own heart thinks. A man after God's own heart says, I might be fighting my own brothers with this hand. But with this hand, I am going to build the kingdom of God. See, a man after God's own heart doesn't wait to a specific time or a specific platform before they start working to build God's kingdom. Every last one of you has a call and an anointing that is special from God. And every last one of you can step into the fullness of that call. It may not be the fivefold ministry, but you're a Christian first. It could be business. It could be a lot of different things. It could be, God could be calling you to be a nurse or a doctor. And in all of the things that we do, we are called to the highest level of worship by totally surrendering to God. So I want you to all stand. Holy Spirit, we love you so much. We love you so much. And we choose to surrender to you again today afresh. And I just want you to raise your hands if you're going to make a choice to re-surrender to the Lord today. We choose to surrender our hopes, our dreams, our desires, our ambitions, our children, our money. Our, uh, we surrender our time to you, Lord. We're not going to start a day that we don't spend time in prayer. We surrender everything that you have given us, everything that we ever hope that you will give us, we surrender it to you, Lord. We trust you that you are a sovereign God and that your ways for me are better than my own ways. Your ways for me, your designs for me are better than my own. One of the things I love about King David, and you read it all through his story, is he inquired of the Lord about everything. He was a master warrior and strategist, but he didn't go into war just based on what he knew. He always asked the Lord, should I go? Tell me anything I need to know. How many of you have something that you need God to, to help you with? Okay. I want you, this is how we're going to end this service. I want you to ask the Lord what you should do. Just close your hands and, and close your eyes and raise your hands and ask the Lord, 
Instead of worrying about that, instead of trying to figure out how you're going to handle it, instead of trying to do it all on your own, I want you to ask the Lord, what should I do, Lord? How do I handle that, Lord? I surrender that to you. And I promise you, God will speak to you. If there's anyone here that would like to give your heart to Jesus today, I want you to just raise your hand. Nobody looking around. Anyone that wants to give your heart to Jesus, I want you to repeat after me. Everybody in this congregation, Jesus, I repent of my sins. Forgive me, Lord. I surrender my life to you today in total total abandonment to your will. Lead me, guide me, wash me, cleanse me. Make me a man or a woman after your own heart. Let your love pour through me, Lord. Let a desire for worship become the greatest desire I have. Don't let me be ego-driven, self-serving, or building my own kingdom. Let me be in total abandonment to you. A laid-down lover. A laid-down lover. A laid-down lover to you, Lord. I love you so much.